The Florida Gators and Utah Utes kick off in 17 days. What's working in Florida's favor for that game, though? You can find out here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I still want you to know, I I see walk in my chair every time I hear every time I hear my song. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country. And I'm gonna stick with the whole, you know, like, subscribe, comment, review, do whatever, do whatever. I would greatly appreciate it. But also September 1st, September 2nd, The Social at Midtown in Gainesville. September 1st, 7 p.m., September 2nd, 5.30 p.m. I will be there live with Locked On Gators recordings both days. We're going to have fun once the camera goes off. We can do whatever we want. We're going to have a blast with it. I'm very much looking forward to it. That that's Gainesville is going to be lit that week. I'm going to let you know that right now. But now we're talking about... What Florida has over Utah for these games, and we're going to start off with the defense, which I know I usually start the offense. One, I felt like switching it up. Two, there were more pressing matters in this Florida defense versus Utah offense that I wanted to talk about because I got quite a few comments. Like I posted a video weeks ago with like Florida Gators versus Utah Utes, um, and I, I keep getting comments on that about that game. And you know, I, I did the crossover with Locked On Utes, and we did that. But there's a few comments that I want to talk about, one of them being about Florida's run defense being so bad last year. Because here's the thing. Yeah, last year, the Florida Gators' run defense was horrible. It was terrible. And it, it like it kind of crescendoed with the LSU game and then just snowballed. And it was, it was just horrible. Last year, They did not prioritize run defense. And by they, I mean the coaching staff. They wanted to rush the passer, and the players did that because the coaches told them that was more important. This year, they're emphasizing run defense. I've spoken about this with Princely Umanilene. He's a starting defensive end for the Florida Gators this year. He was on the show months ago, and one of the biggest differences he said was like, this defense is prioritizing run defense. I don't even remember if he said that on air or off air, but he's like, one of the biggest differences one of the biggest differences is focusing on run defense. Like we're, we're playing the run and then we're worrying about the pass rush. So that, that's a big part there. Also, the front six is so different. Now front six is not – nickel is the base defense here. That's what we're talking about. Nickel is the base defense where, where there's four down or four guys on the front on that line, whether they're standing up or put their hand in dirt, two linebackers, and the rest are DBs. That's how it is now. That, that's 2022 football. Mahmoud Diabate, let's talk about him, Utah fans, um, because that's the fan, that's the transfer linebacker that Utah fans love, right? Like they think he's gonna be so good. Um, they're like, yeah, no, this guy's gonna be, he's gonna be a difference maker for this defense. Guess where he was last year, being the inside linebacker of this horrid run defense. And look, I have no problem with Diabate. I have no problem with him doing what the coaching staff told. He was one that's, that's what he said after the LSU game. He was like, hey, we made the adjustments that the coaching staff told us to make. It's as simple as that. I have no problem with him. 
But don't come in here and talk about, oh, that run defense was so horrible. We're going to expose it. Utah's going to expose the Florida Gators run defense. But guess what? That was the dude in the middle. That was the guy that was there. He was the one that kept falling for counter trap. He was the one that kept falling for all these things. So don't come into the Gators chat and go, oh, yeah, no. They're, they're going to expose that horrible run defense from last year because now he's on your team. So don't even try that. I will say that. The other linebacker with the most snaps for the Florida Gators last year, Tyron Hopper. Guess what? He ain't a Gator no more either. Tyron Hopper is a Missouri Tiger. So the two main guys, the two, the two linebackers that played the most on that horrid Gators run defense, not here anymore. You have one of them, and the other one's in another school in the SEC. Chris Bogle played a lot of snaps last year. Well, not a lot of snaps, but Chris Bogle played a good deal of snaps last year. He ain't here no more. He's a defensive end, but still, part of that front that you guys were like, oh, they're so bad. Chris Bogle, he's with Michigan State now. Jeremiah Moon, Zachary Carter, Antonio Valentino, Daquan Newkirk. Guess what? They're all gone. They've graduated I mean, Jeremiah Moon is back playing edge when he was playing inside linebacker last year, but he's back playing edge with the Baltimore Ravens. Zachary Carter is tearing things up in Cincinnati. Antonio Valentino is in Seattle, and I don't know where Daquan Newkirk is. I don't know if he's with the team right now, but point is, the important part, he is not here. Like, this is a very, very different team, and that's what I keep talking about. It's like people keep going, oh, well, a new coaching staff isn't going to change that in one year. I don't even care about the coaching staff. I'm not talking just about the coaching staff. This is completely new personnel. This roster is completely different. The only two returning players that really played a lot of snaps last year that are going to be starting this year, Jervon Dexter, who tore it up, and Brendan Cox Jr., who when he tried, tore it up. You look at linebacker, Ventra Miller is back. You got one Black. You've got Shamar James, who I've been told is making phenomenal plays in practices and in the scrimmage, and he's, and he's doing all these great things. So so what about last year's defense makes you think that this is going to be anything similar? Because it's not. It's as simple as that. And also, another thing, because I, I got comments about the Utah offensive line is so dominant. They're Utah. They do that every year. What about them? What, what about them so dominant? Utah's projected starters that qualified last year, because I know that their center played like four games, and I believe it was their right tackle last year played like seven games or something like that. So we'll say qualifying playing most of the games. Um, They allowed 50 pressures from the three of them. Among the three qualified players, left tackle, left guard, right guard, they allowed 50 pressures amongst the three of them. 38 of them came from the left tackle and left guard. Is their line really that dominant? Because I also want to talk about what is undoubtedly their worst game last year on the offensive line was San Diego State, the Aztecs, right? San Diego State Aztecs dominated up front against Utah. And San Diego State, look, all credit to them. They had a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive line anchored by Cameron Thomas, who's basically a D-tackle that would play the DN in that San Diego State defense. And it's not the same defense, but Florida has a defensive tackle that's going to be playing defensive end, don't they? I'm pretty sure they do. Um, you know, preseason All-SEC, Javon Dexter, that freak. Um, him? Yeah. Brenton Cox Jr.? Him? Yeah. You're going to tell me they can't make the same impact that Cameron Thomas made last year? And again, Cameron Thomas was an All-American caliber player last year. But you're going to tell me that Javon Dexter and Brenton Cox Jr. can't replicate what San Diego State replicated against Utah? 
That's what you're going to say to me? And also, I'm going to say this now. I'm not going to bring up, you know, Utah being slow starters because uh, Brian Brown, who used to do lockdown Utes, brought up the very good point of, you know, that they, they weren't always slow starters. It happened one year or two years, and now it's just like, they're slow starters. That ain't the case, big dog. And even if they are, I don't care about it. I, I'm not going to go, oh, well, historically, they're slow starters. No. I'll say what we saw last year, and I'll say what we saw this year, or what we're going to see this year, but I'm not going to base my entire opinion off potentially being a, a fluke with a slow start. No, that ain't going to happen for me. And I'm also not even going to talk about how Cam Rising likes to keep the ball short, likes to work that RPO game a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Florida's hopefully going to be pretty good against RPOs this year. That's kind of a big point of creepers and sim pressure. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm feeling a little confident and I'm feeling a little dangerous for Florida Gators' defense versus Utah's offense. We're about to take a look at the Gators' offense versus Utah's defense. But first, we got a quick word with a, a new sponsor, by the way. Um, and I'd like to think I'm, I'm pretty much an open book with y'all here. Like I like to think I'm very honest. Um, and this is a sponsor that is near and dear to my heart because I lost a teammate uh, of mine from high school in April 2021. So about a year and a half ago. I lost one of my teammates uh, because of drunk driving. So when you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many um, and, you know, the, the evening comes to an end and people start heading out and then you're like, oh, no, like I could drive. I don't want to have to come back and get my car in the morning. I don't want to do any of that. No, like, like, no, it's like oh, I, I live a few blocks away. I'll be OK it's no big deal, right? Like every, everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and deadly. And like I just said, like I lost one of my teammates uh, from that. So uh, yeah, I mean, Sahara, the event of Atana, that's, that's his name. Uh, so that sucks. However, it doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel. I mean, Henry Ruggs last year killed somebody. That's, that's what it is. Police officers are, they're out there looking for impaired drivers on your road to save lives, not just to be buzz kills. So drive sober or get pulled over. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Sorry I had to bring that somber note for you, but I mean it's something that's important to me, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Um, and if it changes anybody, just know that that like then that's the purpose. But now we're back to football. We're we're ending the somber note. We're getting back to football, and we're talking about Florida's offense versus Utah's defense because again, this is not me saying this is the matchup. This is me saying what does Florida have over Utah. There are weaknesses. There are strengths. Right now, we're focusing on the strengths. And I think one of the bigger things also for me is that Utah lost uh, Tafua. I, I believe the first name is pronounced Mika. Um, even if it's Micah, Tafua, um, at rusher, he, he's gone. He is in the NFL. Somehow, he went undrafted. Like, the dude is a monster last year. I have no idea how he went undrafted. Um, just, like, round seven flyer on him. But he's a Dallas Cowboy right now. Uh, unless, I mean, cuts are happening after I record this, so maybe he won't be, but <laughs> at the time of recording this, he is. And they've lost Devin Lloyd, who, of course, was the first-round pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars, if I'm not mistaken. He's a late first-round pick or very early second-round pick. Um, They're both gone. The two pressure producers, the two leading pressure producers, I believe they combined for, like, 90 pressures or something like that. It was, it's pretty insane, Um, if not more than that, honestly, because I think Tafua had... 55 hurries by himself, not even including quarterback hits and sacks. Uh, so they lost their two pressure producers, which I'm not saying that that's something that, you know, is super bad for them, but I am saying that's something you have to replicate and you have to, something you have to try to 
restore and bring back. And week one might be a little bit of a difficult time to do that. So that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah, you could practice against yourselves and you could practice iron sharpens iron, all that stuff. But week one's a tough time to be like, okay, well, we're going to replace this pressure instantly. Uh, week one in Florida, in the swamp, in that humidity, which we'll talk about, going to be really tough to, to replicate. Utah's projected starting uh, off-ball linebackers this year, Mahmoud Diabate, who we've, we've spoken about before. We know how we feel about Diabate. And again, I love him, but at the same time, I, I, I know what he is. And Lander Barton, who I know nothing about. I don't, I don't know anything about him because he's a true freshman. Uh, he's going to be making his college debut against Florida. And I also don't know. I don't know if Lander Barton is related to Cody Barton, who is a linebacker with, I think, Utah or Utah State. And he's a Seahawk. Um, but I like him in Madden, so I'll, I'll say that. But with Diabati and Lander Barton, it's like, look, looking at that Utah linebacker core, you've got a guy that we know what he is, unless he made significant strides in that one season, in that one offseason, which, again, it's very possible he did. But for now, we know what he is. Uh, and Lander Barton, a true freshman, making his debut against Florida. That is not an easy task for either of those guys, especially when, look, yes, coaching staff did not make the proper adjustments, but on film, you could see Debody get beat quite a lot by misdirection plays. And I think that this coaching staff recognizes that. And I think this coaching staff, this Florida Gators coaching staff is going to go, well, guess what? We like to outsmart the opponent. We like to use a lot of motion. We like to use a lot of this stuff. Uh, not trickery necessarily, but stuff that's going to be like, well, we're going to test your eye discipline and your brain discipline, and we're going to see what happens. Uh, so so things like that, I think we're going to see that from Florida. Um, heck, run counter trap on the first play. I don't care. Do it. Make it happen. Just see, just see what happens with it. Why not? My point is not that Diabati is bad. My point is we know what Diabati is unless he's made significant strides. We know what his strengths are and we know what his weaknesses are. Target him. Like, yeah, this coaching staff doesn't know him personally, but guess what? A lot of this team knows him. They were here with him for a couple of years, so they know him. Lander Barton, he's a freshman. Test him. See what happens. This could be his first game. Test him. That's what I want to say. And also, here's another thing with this Utah defense compared to Florida's offense. Um, I don't necessarily think that this is a thing Florida has over Utah. Um, because it, it's it's one of those things where with Florida, so much of this team is projection. You know, what we think guys are going to do, what we think guys are going to be. Um Utah's got a bit of projection as well in their secondary, primarily working deep over the middle. Um, and I, I say that because Utah, they, they're always a, a pretty solid defense. I think we can all give them credit for that. There's nothing that I'm really like, oh, they're bad at. That's just not hap- that's just not what happens with Utah. They're usually pretty good. But uh, they've got two safeties who are not um, not experienced playing that deep middle or the deep half. R.J. Hubert, who hasn't Hubert, who hasn't really played much at all uh, over recent years, and Cole Bishop, who is a true sophomore, where he was more of a box safety this past year. Uh, he was he was more of that close guy to the line of scrimmage. Where look again, neither of them have much experience covering the deep middle or the deep half. So I'm not saying they're bad at it. I'm not saying they're going to be bad at it, or I'm not saying that they're going to be good at it. 
What I will say is that we're talking about projection again. And the best way to get your answer for those questions and, and to find out if your projections are right, test it. Do it. So when you see this Utah, these Utah safeties, um, when you see R.J. Hubert and when you see Cole Bishop, I want you to look at them and throw the ball over their heads and see how they react to it. See how they read that deep pass. See how they interact and how they react. And, and then maybe that'll change your plan. Maybe you just go, okay, we're going to keep doing it until they get it right if they do get it wrong. And if they get it right, go, okay, we're going to try it again and see if they can do it again. But but we're not going to just let them off scot-free. And when you have a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, I think it's something that you want to do. Um, that's, that could just be me where I'm like, hey, I got a quarterback with a big arm. I'm going to let any – I know he loves to throw the ball deep. I'm going to let him do it on the first play. And just the more I prep for this, the more I'm like – I think the first play is either a run or a deep shot. Like, I don't think we're going to see a screen on the first play or slants or even a, a little RPO. I think we're going to see a bomb to start the first play. Um, that's just where I'm at with it. But we're about to talk about some miscellaneous factors here that Florida might have over Utah, or I think Florida does have over Utah. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about some miscellaneous factors that aren't necessarily offense versus defense, defense versus offense. Um, I think first we have to talk about this, the heat and humidity of, of Florida, not just the swamp of Florida, where for me, I'm happy this game is a night game because the sun will be beaten down. But I'm also like, dang, imagine, imagine if this game was at three o'clock and it's just the sun is just beating down on this field and it's, it's just the heat humidity sun's hot and all that ain't happening but imagine if it was uh but we know that you know it's been reported utah has been trying to figure out ways to to kind of simulate they've been practicing indoors with the heat all the way up and yes that can prepare you for the heat it's gonna look great because you know you're sweating like crazy so you're gonna look a little, a little bit chiseled there but um at the same time Unless you make that indoor facility a literal sauna, you're not going to be able to replicate that humidity. You can't. You, you, it's just, you can't replicate humidity by just putting the heat on. No, and Because the heat's not even the bad part. It's the humidity that sucks. Like, yeah, it's hot. We get that. But you can easily, or maybe not easily, but you can train for heat. You can't train for humidity, Utah. That's what I'm saying. Florida's got that over Utah. And we know that that's a concern for theirs because we know that they've been trying to replicate it and they've been trying to practice in it because kind of sucks to deal with. Another thing is the noise in the swamp. Look, I get it. Utah's a fantastic Pac-12 school. There are few Pac-12 schools that can replicate that's how you like they've got to be practicing with just crowd noise blasting. If I'd imagine if they're practicing for the heat, they're practicing with just stadium noise pumping through their stadium because that's what it feels like in the swamp. Having that atmosphere, that energy, that energy, that incredible, incredible crowd. Um, it, it's wild. Um, it, it's something that it's, I, I don't think you can really even attempt to replicate it like, like 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 you can attempt to but i don't think you can successfully do it where the largest pac-12 school by the way larger pac-12 stadium is ucla with the rose bowl um but they don't 
necessarily have uh, the most intense fan base. Next up is USC, which again, for a few years, hasn't had the most intense fan base. I think the most intense fan base that they've dealt with is, I feel like Washington fans are like diehards, but even then, that's 70,000 fans. 70,000. You know how many are in the swamp right here? How many are in the swamp? 88,548. Kind of a lot. Utah Stadium, by the way, fits 51,444 people. You can't replicate that unless you're blasting the volume. And if you're blasting the volume trying to teach kids things, I'd imagine it's not going so smooth. So we'll see about that one as well. Or they might just be working on hand signals and just hoping that that'll work out. But I think another thing that... Florida has over pretty much every team right now. Like even if it wasn't Utah, like even if they were playing Bama right now, I think Florida would have this advantage where it's incredibly difficult to prepare for this Florida Gators coaching staff. Um, Because yes, you could look at 2020 Louisiana to see what it's like with Rob Sale and Blue Napier paired together. You could look at 2021 Louisiana to see what Billy Napier calls by himself. You can look at 2021 Louisiana's defense to see what uh, what, what Patrick Tony is going to bring out. But And you can even look at old Penn State, and you can see what Sean Spencer's defenses did. Um, but when you look at all those teams, all those factors, obviously watching 2021 Louisiana might be the best um, to, to focus on. You don't know what they're going to bring out. You don't know what's in the bag of tricks that they couldn't bring out because they had Louisiana's roster. They didn't have the talent or the athletes that they have now with Florida. So perhaps there's a few more things they've wanted to try that they now are going to get the opportunity to try. And you're like, well, yeah, I I guess we should have seen that on tape. But no, it's going to be things that you can't see on tape. And also even the things you can see on tape schematically are going to be performed differently because of the better athletes, because of the better players. And look, I have nothing but respect for Louisiana. I'm not the kind of I'm not the kind of guy to go Sunbelt. Uh, no, but I will say this Florida Gators team is more talented and more athletic than Louisiana was, and so things are going to look a bit different, even if schematically they're the same concept. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult to prepare for if you're Utah. We'll see though. With with a smart guy, so maybe uh. Maybe he'll be able to do it, but I'd be a little bit nervous about that. But thank you for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators. And I believe tomorrow, John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, will be here to talk about recruiting. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Line Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E and I any sports. we got a video coming out later this week, which is finally happening. And GiantsCountryFSI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.